everyone, and welcome back to She's All That Minute. The podcast reanalyzed the 1999 examination of popularity in high school, She's All That, one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Aaron. I'm your co-host, James. And it's minute 61 already. Yeah, which is second wild. hour. Yeah, this is wild. <laughs> um, but it begins with Taylor saying, vote for Taylor. Uh-huh. And goes through Jesse saying, okay. Yeah. After Lainey tells him to eat whatever he wants. Right. And I can't wait to talk to you about that little bit. Um, wait, did I put that in these, this week's notes? Uh, or today's notes? Yes, I did. Uh, yes, I did. Okay, so yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about that later. But first, I want to go back to the beginning of the minute. Can I guess what you researched for the beginning of the minute? Um, I bet you can. Did you research the band Hanson? So here's... So yes. So yes. Okay, but there's going to be a limit to it because... Listen, Hanson yeah. compared to Harvey Weinstein, no no contest. You pick yeah. Hanson every time. We're going to talk about Hanson up until 1999 when this movie came out, and then we're going to... Forget they existed? Just be done. Like, it seems a lot like maybe one of them is a lot more ich than maybe the other two are, and maybe the other two are a little bit ich. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think that they are sort of going through a, an experience of we were child stars and we're still musicians, but we're still in a spotlight that maybe we don't feel like being in 20 years later. Well, but are they, though? I mean, listen, I would love for anyone listening to this to tweet us if you have thought of Hanson in any context other than, oh, that band that did Mbop. Right. And, well, I, I agree. But one of the things that they got um, in, I'm going to use air quotes, in trouble for was not speaking out in favor of Black Lives Matter. Was not speaking out in favor of Black Lives Matter. Okay. And <laughs> so here's the thing. <laughs> Nobody has thought about Hanson since 1999. Literally, this movie... Is what made me rethink about Han. Uh, um, the middle one, Taylor's birthday, is the exact same date as Kristen's. So that is in the context in which I think of a Hanson, and then that's it. Right. So whenever <laughs> I randomly hear Mbop, like there's a Spotify playlist I listen to called Guilty Pleasures that somebody else created, but it's a great right. playlist, right. but it has Mbop on it. And so when yeah. Mbop comes on, I'm like, oh yeah, those guys. Listen. They, I, they existed. I, there was a time in 1998. Eight that I was a very big Hanson fan. I okay, I, I their... have never heard a song by them other than Mbop. They uh, so well. Okay, all right. Hold on. Let's let's get let's get into this in in oh, context. Yeah, that's true. So, we haven't even said why Hanson is relevant. So Taylor said, "Vote for Taylor." Someone says, "No way," and Taylor says, "Okay, don't vote for Taylor. You vote for Taylor," uh, which I think is uh, hilarious and yes, actually that's pretty not good. bad politics. Frankly, like, all right, Taylor, that's yeah, actually that's, a decent <laughs> pivot. That's the like, less, the least <laughs> shitty thing that Taylor does in this entire movie. It truly is. It truly is. Uh, so Taylor's handing out gift bags, mm-hmm. which contain um, the things I could see were a mug with Taylor on it and mm-hmm. a uh, a headshot or like a gloss, uh, you know, eight and a half by eleven glossy of Hanson that is with Taylor. Technically, kind of, sort of 
Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, it's not entirely clear to me if it was supposed to be, hey, I photoshopped myself into this picture of Hanson, right. or if it was supposed to be, hey, here's a picture of me with Hanson that right. definitely isn't photoshopped by the studio people yeah, of this exactly. movie. I think both explanations are pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, they have different connotations, of course, but like if she photoshopped herself in, that's actually funnier. Cause yes. What a desperate move. <laughs> right. And also, okay, and I know you're going to probably get into this when we discuss the research you've done on Hanson, but sure. by 1999, like, was Hanson still really big like is this is this okay i was thinking this was a case where when they start like when they were putting the movie together in 1998 hansen was huge and then by the time the movie was actually released it was like okay so taylor had her picture taken with that one hit wonder band i think that the situation is that by the end of 1999 probably no okay um so okay so uh just background um when i do these backgrounds on things that like you and i both know i do think of myself as doing it for posterity of people that wouldn't get a 90s reference that that we might both get um and that always gives me both a feeling of pride because i'm communicating something to the future like a cultural whatever and also Mm -hmm. old because (sighs) because we're old (laughs) you're just old yeah exactly (laughs) um okay um there's a (laughs) there's a running gag of, of Peter Parker in, in the Avengers movies where he's like, um, okay, so did you ever see that really old movie Empire Strikes Back? And and Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark is always like, yeah. <laughs> like he <laughs> keeps calling these movies that are from like the 80s. Do you ever see this really old movie? <laughs> so, okay. So Hanson is an American pop rock band from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, it was uh, Brothers Isaac, who was the oldest, um, who played, in my mind, guitar, and that was what he did. Uh, Taylor... Uh, who is the middle one who did vocals in my mind. So I'm going to tell you, they did other things, but when they were presented to me in 1998, Isaac played guitar and he was the oldest one with braces. Taylor was the singer who everyone thought was a girl. And then Zach uh, played drums. He was the youngest one. People also thought he was a girl. Right. Uh, Long hair. He was the one who looked like an actual child while the others looked like young teenagers. Right. There's... um. Trey Cool, the drummer for Green Day, was in a band that was fairly popular when he was, like, 14 or 15. Okay. Um, and so if you see pictures of, like, press pictures of them from, like, the late 80s, you're like, I see that that is the guy, but that is a child. Yeah. Like, that is a, a straight-up child. And that is what this was like, except younger. Because if I recall correctly, Zach was 15. Uh, no, Isaac was 15. Uh, Taylor was 13. And... Uh, Zach was 11, something yeah, like that. Yeah, that it sounds was, right. Um, yeah. So, uh, they, um, uh, they, so their first album was called Middle of Nowhere. It uh, sold 10 million copies worldwide. May 6th was declared Hanson Day in Tulsa by Oklahoma's then mayor, Frank Keating. Wow. Uh, although Hanson Day was originally intended to be a one-time occurrence, many Hanson fans all over the world still recognize May 6th as Hanson Day every year. Well. So. Hanson's popularity exploded during the summer of 1997, and Mercury Records released Hanson's first documentary, Tulsa, Tokyo, and the Middle of Nowhere, and their Christmas album, Saved, in the wake of their success. So, actually, you may be more right, because I may have been a year off. So, it may have been 1990, summer of 1997, Mbop came out, and I loved it. 
I will defend Mbop until the day I die. It is oh, it's a fantastic a song. song. Yeah, and no, it was it's, written it's by a, them. Yeah, it's a really good song. Mostly, yeah. so here's here's my timeline for Hanson. Okay. Freshman year of high school, which was ninety seven, ninety eight. Correct. Yes. I had world history with uh, Jane. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. Yes, Jane, our friend yes. Jane. Yes. And Come on, James. <laughs> Jane was obsessed with Hanson, specifically with Taylor. Sure. So I have many like very vivid memories of her like pulling out her like her history book that she had covered in like magazine like made uh-huh. a book cover out of magazine clippings of Hansen or you know she would like pull out her folder that she had taped a photo of Taylor into and right. so that's how i remember that they were really big in 9798 that makes it sense was fresh, it was freshman year world history class that makes sense to me and um yeah i am a big fan of jane and also i can 100% believe Oh, that about her. I can picture mm-hmm. it very clearly. Um, I have in my head that her birthday was around Taylor's birthday. Um, and I don't know why I have that in my head. And there's no way to check it because her Facebook doesn't say so. So um, I, I will say that if you mention her name to me, the very first thing I think is Taylor Hansen. Interesting. Cool. Uh, just as a fun fact for me, uh, Jane and I had a fun thing because we were, had classes together and our names are incredibly similar. So... When we address mm-hmm. each other, we call each other four and five, do the letters and name, which is especially funny because we are the one pair of people that don't need a non-Jane James sounding thing because we would not think that I, I wouldn't think I was talking to me when I said, hey, Jane. Right. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> but nevertheless, that has uh, been a 20 year thing. So. <laughs> Summer 97, super into Mbop, loved it very much, got the K-Single, uh, which had that, and then of, I think a remix on the other side, and maybe a live track of some sort, anticipated the album, I think the album came out right around my birthday, because I had, it was the situation where I was like, I can't get it because it's, it came out, I'm, I'm an idiot, it came out on May 6th, 1997, that's why Handsome Day. Oh, okay. I was wondering why May 6th. Yeah. I was like, is that one of their birthdays or... Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> David Brown of Entertainment Weekly said, Lack of guile is Hanson's most endearing quality. Huh. Well, like, damning with faint praise. Cool. Cool mm-hmm. job, David yep. Brown. Um, yep. So I was very excited and I, I like it was a situation where like I went to Walmart and uh, was like, there it is, the album, I'm going to get it. And my mom was like, nah, no, you're not, because your birthday's coming up. And I must have been like, mom, it's April. What are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, my <laughs> like... birthday is not until July. <laughs> so it must have been spring of 90s. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Loved uh, Middle of Nowhere a lot. Put, you know, taped it to cassette and listened to it with my dad and stepmom uh, over that summer. Uh, when Christmas came and their their Christmas album Snowed In came around, I got that one. Big Hanson fan. Um, now by ninety, so okay, so back into the back into the history. Um, so uh, Hanson also launched Mo, which stood for Middle of Everywhere, which is a play on Middle of Nowhere, which is the name of their album. A fan club magazine that ran for twelve issues. 
After numerous unauthorized biographies of each of the brothers were published, Hansen turned to their close friend Jared Gullihair of Admiral Twin, which is the name of Vand, to write their authorized biography. Hansen, the official book, reached number nine on the New York Times bestseller list on February 1st, 1998. They were nominated for three Grammys in 1998, Record of the Year, Best New Artist, and Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal. I do not believe they won any of those. They uh, Their first tour was called the Albertine Tour. Uh, Albertine referred to, I think, as something on the album. Um, like a, Anyways. Uh, they performed a string of shows throughout stadiums and arenas in the U.S. targeting young audiences with playful and energetic style. A live album titled Live from Albertine was released the following fall, as well as their second documentary, The Road to Albertine. And, uh, and basically, um, then they... What I didn't write this because it happened in 2000, but basically what then happened to them was they released their second album and no one promoted it. Oh. So their label got basically right at the same time as that was happening, Mercury was bought by Def Jam and Def Jam was like, their second album did nothing, bye bye now. Hanson was like, all right, well, we have enough money to just go ahead and release that on our own. And they did. I never listened to it. Um, <laughs> I haven't listened to any Hanson since those first, you know, the first album and the Christmas album. I know our friend Katie was also a big Hanson fan. I think remains one, at least musically to this day. And that is where I'd like to stop because they have run into some controversy with maybe some of their beliefs or lack thereof. Um, They were raised in a very sort of Christian household and that has affected maybe some of their, some of their sort of dogma I'm sure they're fine, probably. Anyways, the not that's Hanson. Yeah, the not speaking out on Black Lives Matter thing is... Yeah. It, see, it's, it's hard for me because on the one hand, I'm like, of course they should speak out on Black Lives Matter. Like, everyone should. Sure. But on the other hand, I'm like, n- literally nobody's thought about them in 20 years. So why, yeah. is any, why does anybody care if this, these random people who were child stars and have not been heard of since do or don't comment right and on I mean, anything to be perfectly fair i mean they still have legions of fans and we are big fans of newsies and got super psyched psyched to talk to someone from newsies and that was 10 years before sure so but would people, i have been people, like how dare insert random newsies actor here i'm not going to choose one because right. i don't want any sure it's all hypothetical right. but would i have been like how dare this John person, Newsy. Yeah. yeah, John Newsy, not, you know, speak out on this political thing. Yeah. Like, fair. No, no. That's that's fair. And like the and what really drives me crazy is I agree. I mean, like, whether they have lots and lots of fans or not, someone not speak I mean, I know silence is compliance or complete whatever, complicitness or whatever. Complicity, yeah. Um They then did. And so what does that mean? Right. Yeah, like, <laughs> right. You get called out on it, so then you feel like you have to respond. And that doesn't mean anything either, because you're only exactly. speaking out because somebody said, why aren't you speaking out? Like, exactly. as far as the Newsies thing, like, if somebody had been like, oh, Christian Bale did or didn't do this thing. Right. That made me feel a certain way. Then I'd be like, oh, man, that sucks. He was like the star of my favorite movie back from 1992. Sure. sure. But I... Christian Bale is still 
like kind of on people's radar. Sure, but like, I'm saying like I guess the I guess the the connection I was making was there are lots and lots and lots of people out there that would be like Newsies. What you mean that movie that I think I saw sure, half of okay. back in 1991? Who even thinks about Newsies anymore? Well, first of all, you couldn't have seen half of it back in 1991. <laughs> right. They but... bootlegged it. It was a weird uh, rise and fall of their fandom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The quality was awful and they fell off forever. Heavily because that probably did exist in 1991. And... <laughs> I watched Newsies. It was very violent. Mm. <laughs> I... Oh, yeah, hmm. <laughs> Newsies with Don Knotts as the serial killer? <laughs> that was a All weird, right. violent movie. I started off angry at this hypo- hypothetical person, and now I want to know them. Like, right. I want to I interview them. But I just... I think we I think did. That, I think that this hypothetical person is actually Michael Gorgian. <laughs> fair, fair, fair point. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think that, I think that it... Um, there will always be... People that are fans of something huge, That's true. or that was one, at one time huge, but holding someone accountable for not speaking out on every single issue is right. Is maybe a little ridiculous. I right. think, and I that, and I well, guess that's the that's where I fall on it too. Like, would yeah. I love it if everybody everywhere held the same viewpoints that I do? Yes. I sure. don't know that I'm necessarily going to condemn people, especially people who are really no longer on, like, the large public radar for not particularly, like, for for not being vocal about one thing or another. It feels like it can only go badly. Like, either people say, why are you weighing in on this? You have the, the nuance wrong. I know you're trying, but you have the nuance wrong. Sure. Or... You're like the guy from uh, Silver Spoons who keeps speaking out pro-conservative stuff. And it's like, shh, shh, <laughs> quiet now, quiet. Jason Bateman is who we remember from your show. Please, please, shh, shh, shh. Um, or your Dolly Parton, in which case you, or Betty White, and you just nail it every single time and you have right. remained pop culturally relevant. And Sure. <laughs> you always will be and you have a place in the permanent record. So right. those are the three options. people get to be, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, two people get to be right. Betty White and Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Wait, which two? Oh, uh, Reba McIntyre and um, Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, nice. Lucky them. Good job. Yeah. Good job, ladies. All right. So uh, <laughs> I will say that uh, Taylor Hansen was in a super group called Tinted Windows in like oh, really? 2003 or something. It was Taylor Hansen, uh, James Eha, the guitarist from Smashing Pumpkins, uh, the drummer from Cheap Trick, and uh, on the other guitar was Adam Schlesinger, who was part of Fountains of Wayne. But you, Aaron, will know him more as the guy that wrote that thing you do. Um they are a great power pop band. They released one album, and it is excellent. And it is self-titled, and it's called Tinted Windows. I highly recommend it. Interesting. I did not yeah. know that even existed. Yeah. It was... I don't know how I found out about it, but sure, I'm glad that I did. So... Yeah. Um, so, okay. Then we move from that musical reference to another musical experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was my favorite part of the movie that I've seen so far, I think. Okay. Um... Just judging based on how I liked it this time and then uh, vague memories of what we've seen before and if I liked anything more um, and the answer being no. So, okay. 
uh, they cut to... So basically, everyone sort of has prom queen election fever, you know, high school. And uh-huh. uh, that has translated in part to a uh, freestyle rap battle. It wasn't a battle. It was more just a freestyle rap session or... or yeah. Or, it was just sort of, I think maybe a cypher might be more, it's basically, there was a beatboxer and two rappers rapping collaboratively about the same thing. Yeah, they um, were on the same side. It wasn't like one yeah. was Team Taylor, one was Team Laney. Right. I expected that, but I was like, what is the argument pro-Taylor? And they're like, also, Taylor sucks from this end too. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Everything adds up. Cool. <laughs> um, so I had to do a little bit of research to figure out who these guys are, but... I was able to. So let's start with the beatboxer, who is a person that we've seen before. This this week has two people we've we've talked about before in another movie five minutes podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the beatboxer is his name. Oh, well, I didn't write down what his real name is because it is Click the Super Latin, uh, who is a musician. Uh, he is doing beatbox here, but he released a song that we talked about in Can't Hardly Wait because it is what is playing on Kenny, played by Seth Green's truck. As he pulls up to the party. Mm-hmm. It's a what Like, the other Can Hardly Wait pull this week is, like, way more like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. This feels like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean? What a random, weird connection it's, for these two it's, movies to have. It's a wild, yeah, a weird, wild connection. Um, so he is the guy on on Beatbox. The rappers are uh, Iman Bourne, um, who is the one in the gray A shirt um, on the right side of the screen for most of the time. Uh, he was, his top three, he was the voice of Dwayne in Strange Days. He was one of Smokey Robinson's backup singers in the Queen Latifah movie The Last Holiday and this. Okay. Um, then the, the guy on the left who has the blue plaid and the sunglasses on his head mm-hmm. is Takbir Bashir. Um, he basically plays himself whenever he acts in movies. He has three credits and basically it's like guy who raps, Takir, and talk. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, so, all right, cool. That's fine. Right. Um, he is probably the most famous of them because he is in a, a, a group called, um, I wrote it down and I didn't write it down in the right place. Uh, Styles of Beyond is his rap group. And they are an underground-ish rap group that uh, is heavily featured on the solo project uh, by Mike Shinoda, who is the rapper from Linkin Park. His solo project, Fort Minor, they are on like six of the tracks on that on the first Fort Minor album. So kind of, if you know them, you know them. If you don't, you don't. And And you might know the album and not know them. But he is probably the one that you could... He was basically, long story short, when I Google searched, he was the one I could find a picture of to be like, ah, this is that guy, and the other guy is the other guy. Got it. Okay. <laughs> um, so that was that is the freestyle rap. And then, upon second listening, because I watched it, wrote down freestyle rap performance, question mark, and moved on. And then while we were watching the movie that we were watching with the kids, I was like, I'm going to have to go back and watch it. To see who's who and whatever. Uh, they said the title of the movie. Yes. Um, which I have a note about. <laughs> yeah, go My ahead. My note is, I get twitchy when the title of the movie is a line in the movie. But if I recall, James likes it when the title of the movie is a line in the movie. 
Here's the deal. I do. I like it when it works, when it's naturally in there. When it's an idiom, the title of the movie is an idiom that no one has said before that you made up so you can have the title be this. Yeah. And so you have the villain say, there's no world for tomorrow, Mr. Bond. That makes no sense. Don't do it. Stop it. <laughs> James Bond actually gets a little bit of a pass because they've been doing wacky <laughs> ass titles for seven, 60 years or something. 50 yeah. years or something. So you hear a James Bond title, you're like, yep, uh, almost makes sense, but doesn't? Sure, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I like it when it's like, ah, I see why they called it that. Um, I like when albums say the title, especially when it's not in a title track. Um, this one I was excited about because it's basically literally the only way that you could say the title of this movie in a way that I was like, ah, okay. That contextually makes sense. Sure. Like Dean saying it or Zach saying it. I could see th- I could see a world where they have Katie say it. Okay. I, could, I mean, like, and it would, I mean, it would work slightly better than Dean or Zach saying it, but like, not sure. I mean, by much. If if we're being completely honest, it's an you know it's an African African American vernacular. So Preston, sure. Usher, Katie, uh, Alex. Yeah. And that's, that's, or the freestyle rappers. Like, right. I mean. And it didn't bother me as much in this version. The one that really stands out to me, you know, the movie, The New Guy with DJ yeah. Qualls. So there I know is it a, well. Yes. There is a scene in that where, you know, he's, I don't remember the context of the scene, but somebody's mm-hmm. like, who is that? And he looks at the camera and he goes, I'm the new guy. Is it the new guy or the new kid? It's the, it's the new the new guy. The new guy. I want to say it's the new guy, but now the new kid is ringing in my head. Whichever it is, I re- that was the the first time that it's ever like really stood out to me. Having the title of the movie be a line because I remember watching it with my brother and my brother and yeah. I both being like, "Oh, really?" At the same time. Yeah. Um. It's it is the new guy. If you'll provide, if you allow me to provide some context, I did see this movie multiple times because I quite liked it a lot. Um, I quite liked it too, except for that one moment. But yes, remember DJ Qualls and how like he used to almost like he had a career, a budding career, and then nothing. Yeah. Um. So, uh, the new guy was his like, all right, man, here's your movie. Uh, he plays a kid that sucks and is sort of a nerd, kind of a laney type, but actually actual. In that he's a uh, he doesn't shower and is acne and gross and awkward and whatever. Then he goes to prison and someone mm-hmm. like makeovers him in prison because he's gonna have a fight with someone. That and then he has to familiar. I don't remember to, why he goes to prison. Right. Okay. He gets himself expelled so that he can move schools and reinvent himself. I'm reading now from the wiki. I was. I know that he gets the makeover and becomes the new guy again. Air quotes in prison. Right. But he learn. He uh, he moves schools to reinvent himself, learning how to be cool from a prison inmate. Uh, he renames himself Gil Harris. His name is Dizzy Harrison. Now, if you ask me, Dizzy Harrison is a way cooler name than mm-hmm. Gil Harris. But sure. whatever. Uh, He's quick to make new friends and soon gains respects from jocks and geeks alike. He begins dating popular girl Danielle, played by Eliza Dushku. Oh my god, I forgot she was in this movie. Yep, same. Wow. And Zoe Deschanel's in this movie? Holy crap. Anyways. Oh, right. Eddie Griffin is the inmate in in the thing. Anyway, so he has to... Oh, then he plays uh, 
they they have a football game against his uh, his other school. So it's kind of actually like uh, she's the man. Um, with no like cross dressing, it's just sort of like pretending to be someone that's cooler than they are. Right. Um, and it was fine. I think there was a sort of simple plannish, uh, sugar culty sort of soundtrack to it that I would have been very into in like ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one. Um. So yeah, but. Uh, you were talking about how yeah. he, like, this was going to be his movie, and then... Right. And then, so the, the tone of the movie was very, I'm the new... Like, he was so cool that he could make that line work, I guess is what they were going for, but that's not that's not it. That's yeah. not it at all. Um, I get that that was being meta, though, and I like it an inch better than if you are trying to pass it off as just Ben Affleck says it. Like, Sure. It's just goodwill hunting, man. They don't say that in that movie, but, like, what if they did? Yeah. So, <laughs> so what um, if they we're did, just... they wouldn't have won the Oscar for screenplay is what. <laughs> we're just mall rats, man. You know, it's just like we've been chasing Amy, and that's just our dogma. Kevin Smith, the just... Sh- no. Actually, I was about to describe Kevin Smith as shameless plugger of his own work, and that's not wrong. So I thought, Kev- I thought you were saying Kevin Smith as an add-on to, we're just chasing Amy, and, you know, it's just our dogma, Kevin Smith. Uh, I, that took it from insufferable, and I hate it to uh, redeemed completely, and I love it. So, Good. hey, you are you are on firing all cylinders tonight with redeeming characters I create. So, good job. <laughs> hey, glad glad to help. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, during this uh, freestyle rap, uh, Dean approaches someone who is enjoying the performance, and I meant to look him up, but the, there was no credit that was like guy watching from balcony. But he had a very, this is the director, or this is the writer, or this is the director's brother, or something mm-hmm. vibe to him. Yeah. Um, and, and he's he holding, holding a Diet Coke. Diet Coke, yeah. Just like, product placement. <laughs> it was very, pro- this this week also, lots of product placement. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of Coca-Cola product placement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dean puts his cigarette out in the Diet Coke, which, again... Smoking. Yep. I guess, I mean, I guess that in 1999, that was right around the time I was scandalized because a kid that rode the bus with me, that was a grade ahead of me, that lived in my neighborhood, was walking home and smoking, and I was like, oh my god, get inside, get inside, get inside. Because that was the kid I was. No, yeah, Um, that that tracks. (laughs) And I also would have been that kid. What if he tries to peer pressure me? Um, my friends later that in that same neighborhood uh, found cigarettes and were smoking them because they were younger than me and dumb. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Hey, man, you want a cigarette?" And I was like, "No, thank you." And that was my peer pressure story. That's the only time. So it well, literally. I'm glad was not you like... didn't bow to it, James. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that you didn't let casual. the younger kids bully you into uh, taking the cigarette that they offered you because you happened to be standing there. <laughs> <laughs> they were, and they were a year younger, so it wasn't like my sister's age kids, because that would have been actually a little bit more intimidating. <laughs> These, well, like, yeah, second graders, seven year olds show up, you know, cigarette man. <laughs> hey, you want some cigarettes? Oh my god, what happened to you? Been smoking long time. Oh my god. Yes, here's my money. I guess I'll smoke now. Um, <laughs> no, but it was the most... Ca- it was almost like if they'd been a little bit more peer pressure, it would have been rougher. Like, I know what I'm about to say is that's completely duh. 
But like, it was the most off-puttingly casual, hey, you want a cigarette, that I've ever experienced in in my head, all of the PSAs and whatever, and teen sitcom offers and yeah. whatever. I was like, it's going to be make or break friendship time, and who knows what you're going to do. And it was like, no, thank you. And we just literally moved on with what we were talking about, which is video games or some stupid stuff, you know? <laughs> right. So, anyways, uh, I guess people would have been smoking, that he's smoking on campus is wild, but... It, I think it goes to show that culturally, or pop culturally, cigarettes in movies have now been semi-absent for so long that mm-hmm. it's weird to see. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and uh, my wife's comment on this minute was, is that Paul Walker? <laughs> Which, correct. That is correct. That is a yes. correct take on this movie. Um, <laughs> she saw that, colon. Is that Paul Walker? <laughs> yep. Actually, not a bad tagline for not this movie. Not a bad tagline, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, those are all my notes. Okay. Yes. Oh, nope, 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 nope. I'm sorry. We cut to inside the cafeteria where Lainey is bummed and Jesse is trying to get her to <laughs> police his eating. Yep. And he's like, hey, I'm about to eat a chip. Tell me what I shouldn't eat. And she's like, eat whatever you want, which is healthy, I think. Actually, uh-huh. that's a, I mean, she delivers it in a sort of like, I'm too depressed, even though I would normally be happy to but i'm too depressed and so i'm not but yes eat whatever you want to is actually the correct take laney so maybe just chip her up and keep the same message yeah yep <laughs> chip her up eh? mm-hmm. very well, good we'll i thought that was intentional when you did it the first time <laughs> colin was complimenting me on my spreadsheets and he says it's something you excel at and i was like was that intentional he's like oh my god no and i was like yeah your brain is smarter than you think it is yeah no that's when you say uh, absolutely <laughs> Yes, yeah. that was intentional. You have the option to take complete credit for uh-huh. what your brain has provided for you, which frankly you should. Yeah. Just because you had no control over it. I mean, you know. It's true. But I think that brings us to the end of the minute. I believe it um, does. Shall I do some social media? Yeah, do some social media. All right. Some quick social um, media because we're running long tonight. In Orange County, they call it SoCal Media. Okay, mm-hmm. quick time. Um <laughs> We have a Twitter handle for this podcast franchise, and it is at je underscore minute movies. Uh, you can find us individually on Twitter. Aaron can be found at unabashedly Aaron, and James is at unabashed James. We are part of the Scavengers Network, which is a great podcast network with lots of lots of great shows. Uh, you can follow Scavengers Network on Twitter at ScavengersNet, or you can go to the website scavengersnetwork.com, where you can get access to. Uh, pictures of us um you can find players if you kind of want to dip your toe into what is this show about what is that show about um before subscribing um you can also get access to the merch store where um i have recently purchased a timeline scavengers notebook um for another show that i'm on and it is um a nice matte cover which is kind of cool um i didn't realize that i didn't like glossy covers until i got this and i was like oh the option is cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's lots of really cool stuff um, on the merch site, merch side of the site, and then there's also some really cool stuff on the non-merch side of the site. So the scavengersnetwork.com, um, go there and internet <laughs> go near there. Us. Um, <laughs> that's gonna do it for uh, for today. Um, please join us tomorrow for another episode of She's All That Minute. And, whoa, hey Aaron, wait, wait a minute. Is that Paul Walker? 
The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.